Shishi Radha Krishna Gopina Shamakunda Radha Kunda Giddy Govardhana Kijai Rindavan Dhamma Kijai Matur Dhamma Kijai Navajit Mayapur Dhamma Kijai Jagannath Puri Dhamma Kijai Gangamai Juna Devi Kijai Bhakti Devi Kijai Tulsi Maharani Kijai Samaveta Bhakti Vrinda all glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to the assembled devotees. All glories to Sri Sri Guru and Goranga. All glories to Sri Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya June 4th, 2013, in Paris, France, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 4, Chapter 22, Prithu Maharaja's Meeting with the Kumaras, Text 49. Vanyas to well I'll try to say very slowly and maybe you can repeat. Vanyas to Duryo Mahatam. Vanyas to Duryo Mahatam. Sex Samstitya Dyatma Shikshaya. Samstitya Dyatma Shikshaya. Aptakamami Vatmanam. Aptakamami Vatmanam. Mena Atmanya Vastita. Mena Mahatam. Samstitya Jatma de Shikshaya, Samstitya Jatma Ivatmanam, Mena Atmanya Vastita, Mena Atmanya Vastita. Vaisya tu duryo mahatam. Venyas tu duryo mahatam. Samitjas yama siksaya. Samstitjama siksaya. Abda kamam ivan nadmanam. Abda kamam ivanam. Mena atmani avasitya. Mena atmani avasitya. Ladies, Venas to Duryo Mahatam, Venas to Duryo Mahatam, Samishit Yadjatma, 
Shikshayam Samstichyadyatma Shikshayam Aptakamam Hibatmanam Aptakamam Hibatmanam Minatmani Habashitatam Minatmani Habashitatam When you the son of Veni Maharaj. The son of Veni Maharaj. Of course. Of course. Duryaha. The chief, Mahatam, of great personalities, Samstitya, being completely fixed, Adhyatma Shikshaya, in the matter of self-realization, Apta, achieved, Kama, desires, Eva, like, Atmanam, in self Satisfaction, Mene, considered, Atmani, in the self, Avastitaha, situated. Translation in purport by Amongst great personalities, Maharaja Prithu was the chief by virtue of his fixed position in relation to spiritual enlightenment. He remained satisfied as one who has achieved all success in spiritual understanding. Purport. Remaining fixed in devotional service gives one the utmost in self-satisfaction. Actually, self-satisfaction can be achieved only by pure devotees who have no desire other than to serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Since the Supreme Personality of Godhead has nothing to desire, he is fully satisfied with himself. Similarly, a devotee who has no desire other than to serve the Supreme Personality of Godhead is as self-satisfied as the Supreme Lord. Everyone is hankering after peace of mind and self-satisfaction, but these can only be achieved by becoming a pure devotee of the Lord. King Prithu's statements in previous verses regarding his vast knowledge and perfect devotional service are justified here, for he is considered best among all Mahatmas, in Bhagavad Gita 9.13, Sri Krishna speaks of Mahatmas in this way. Mahatmanastuman partha daivin kapiti mahpitaha pachanchananya manaso natvabhuta rimabhyayam. O son of Pritha, those who are not deluded, the great souls, are under the protection of the divine nature. They are fully engaged in devotional service because they know me as the Supreme Personality of Godhead, original and inexhaustible. The Mahatmas are not under the clutches of the illusory energy, but are under the protection of the spiritual energy. Because of this, the real Mahatma is always engaged in the devotional service of the Lord. Prithu Maharaja exhibited all the symptoms of a Mahatma. Therefore, he is mentioned in this verse as Duryo Mahatam, best of the Mahatmas. 
Banyas to Durya Mahatam, Samsti Tyad Yatmashikshaya, Aptakama Mivatmana, Mena Atya Vavast, Mena Atman Yavastita. Among great personalities, Maharaj Prithu was the chief. By virtue of his fixed position in relation to spiritual enlightenment, he remained satisfied as one who has achieved all success in spiritual understanding. So in this purport, Srila Prabhupada says that everyone is hankering after peace of mind and self-satisfaction, but these can only be achieved by becoming a pure devotee of the Lord. So I think of so many times when I wish I had peace of mind and self-satisfaction. Right? The mind is saying, why don't you do this? Why don't you don't do this? Why don't you get this? Why don't you get rid of this? Why don't you change this? What if this happens? What if that happens? Oh, this might happen. Remember when that happened? And that was so terrible. And this might happen in the future. Does your mind do that? Yes. That's not peaceful. It's very hard to have your mind peaceful. Even when I was 16, I was on a, a trip in Canada. We were taking a bicycle trip with a youth group through the Rocky Mountains. And we went to this beautiful lake called Lake Louise. It's a lake formed by... Am I going too fast for you? I'm going more slowly. It's a lake that's formed by melting ice, melting glaciers from the mountains. It's very, very pure water, very clear, very clean. And the whole place is very beautiful around the lake. There are these huge mountains with snow on the top. The air is very clean, and there's deer and elk and moose and bears, of course, in the, in the forest, and these beautiful pine trees. So we took a boat out to the island, and I was sitting on the island, and I was trying to meditate. And still my mind could not be peaceful. So sometimes people think, uh, if I just... Uh, make a very simple situation, my mind will be peaceful. Hmm? Do we sometimes think like that? If I could just go to Vrindavan, many times I hear devotees saying this, if I could just give up my job, give up my family, go sit in Vrindavan, then my mind would be peaceful. But that doesn't work. You're in Vrindavan, the cars are honking, right? People are, are making noise, so many disturbances, there's no water, and still your mind is not peaceful. What will I do without water? <laughs> what will I do without electricity? How will I do this? How will I do that? And they go, well, I'll go to the Himalayas. You know, I'll go away from everybody. I'll go to a cave in the Himalayas. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You know, you can go in your closet and close the door. <laughs> in the dark <laughs> and no distractions so this is one method people use let me go away from everything it's like the ordinary person they take a vacation they go to the ocean usually they go to some watch some place where there's water and they just look at the water or maybe even they go to a big city like Paris there they try to find peace of mind <laughs> but that's very difficult and some people try to get peace of mind by getting enough things so some people try to get peace of mind by getting rid of their things let me go to Vrindavan 
let me go to the Himalayas, let me go to the ocean. And other people try to get peace of mind by getting lots of things. Let me get a very, very big house that has everything I could possibly want. Every kind of furniture. There was the head of the Philippines. His wife had 1,500 pairs of shoes. So whatever kind of shoes you'd want to wear, they're right in your closet. So some people think, let me get peace of mind that way. I'll have everything in my possession, and whatever I want, I will just have. Not only peace of mind, but self-satisfaction. Right? So some people try to have peace of mind and self-satisfaction by getting rid of everything. And thinking, I'll only have myself left, and then I'll be satisfied with myself. But still, I mean, you can try it. And still you see you're not peaceful. And other people try to have peace of mind and self-satisfaction by getting many, 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 many things. They try to get so many things that whatever they want, something like Prapti Siddhi, whatever they want, it's just in the next room. <laughs> they think, let me become so rich that every kind, I own, like all the stores in the world, I own in my own house. Every kind of shoe, every kind of computer, every kind of furniture. Right? Uh, but still, they're not satisfied. We don't see that these people therefore become peaceful. Then they're worried about keeping everything. If you have everything, then you're worried, oh, what if there's a fire? What if there's a, a thief? And everyone, of course, worries about death. So neither of these people are self-satisfied because they're both looking for satisfaction outside of themselves and their environment. One is looking for self-satisfaction in a very quiet, peaceful environment, and one is looking for self-satisfaction in an environment where they have everything that they want. And then there's others who look for peace and self-satisfaction in philosophy. So let's just stop trying to find anything in the external world. Let's find satisfaction in the mind. Let's try to figure out what is the purpose of life, who is God, where do I come from. And some of these philosophers simply guess. Maybe it's like this, maybe it's like that. But they can't find peace because they never know. They're never sure. Is it really like this? Is it really like that? And then there are some philosophers who try to understand by study of the Vedas. But they're trying to understand by study of the Vedas, still using the mind. So they never come to a firm conclusion. And at most, someone who tries to get self-satisfaction and peace like that can go into the Brahman. So out of thousands, maybe one will achieve some perfection of merging into the Brahman by studying philosophy. Or others may merge into the Brahman by meditation, so they don't just go to a nice quiet lake, or they don't just go to the ocean. Uh, I mean, I was trying to meditate on that island, but I didn't have an, a guru at the time, so I didn't know how to meditate. Uh, and I wasn't really qualified to do proper meditation anyway. But people who try to do dhyan yoga, so they try to meditate. They try not just to go to a place where they have no possessions and it's peaceful, but they go into Pratyadhara, where they shut out all of the input from the senses. 
something like what happens when we're sleeping. When we're sleeping, we don't see anything, we don't hear anything, we don't feel anything. We're not aware of how our senses are interacting with their environment. So in Prachitara, it's like that. Except in Prachitara, it's like deep sleep, except the intelligence is awake. So one is not aware of their environment. And they try to find peace and self-satisfaction in that way by meditating on the Brahman or even meditating on the Paramatma. But we find that even such yogis like Subhari Muni and Vishramita Muni, who were engaged in this Jnana Yoga, still, although they had turned off all of their senses, they were still distracted by the senses. Vishramita Muni was distracted by a sound. He was distracted by the tinkling of a woman's jewelry. And his mind thought, oh, is that a woman? <laughs> Let me go see. So although he had turned his senses off, uh, still, because the senses, ultimately we have spiritual senses. So again he became distracted. So Bari Muni was distracted by anger at Garuda. So when Subhari Muni saw that Garuda was stealing the fish, he was, he was disturbed. He couldn't, he couldn't meditate anymore. He thought, oh, that Garuda. And being so disturbed at Garuda, he saw some fish mating. Now, normally seeing fish mating is not very disturbing. I wouldn't think it's very disturbing. No? Just like if we see the pigeons mating. Nobody becomes sexually agitated seeing pigeons mating. It's not very attractive for fish. But Subaramuni, because he, his offense against Garuda had lessened his intelligence, so he gave up, he, he lost his peace of mind. And factually, even people who merge into the Brahman, so the Brahman is certainly peace. That's what the Brahman is. The Brahman is, is peace. The Brahman effulgence is just existence, it's just peace. There's no disturbance, and it's definitely a feeling of satisfaction. But Avasudabudiya, even the, practically speaking, every jiva who merges into the Brahman, they don't stay there. They're not feeling completely satisfied. So we can think of all the things that we've tried to do. Prabhupada says everybody is hankering after this. If we analyze, everything that we're doing is trying to find this sense of self-satisfaction. We're looking for self-satisfaction and peace. We don't find it. And we try doing this way and that way and the other way and this way and that way and that way and this way. But we just don't find it. You know, well, let me try this. Well, let me try this. And we've been doing this for many, 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 many lifetimes. Probably for billions and billions and billions and billions of lifetimes. So here's the secret how to find peace and self-satisfaction. Eternally. Not that you find it a little bit temporarily. And Prabhupada says it can only be achieved by becoming a pure devotee of the Lord. So why is that? Why is that becoming a pure devotee of the Lord gives one peace and self-satisfaction? Aptakama. Aptakama means that you can fulfill your desires by yourself. You don't need anyone else. You, know, you don't need anything outside of you to fulfill your, your desires are just naturally fulfilled. Atmarama. Atmarama is to take pleasure in the self. Or atmatushta means that you're satisfied in the self. And here it's atman yavastita, to be fixed in the self. And we have also samstitya, to stita, stita, to be fixed, never leaving the self. 
So how is this is where peace and satisfaction is found because the self is full of peace and satisfaction. So if you stay in the self and never leave the self, you'll always be peaceful and you'll always be satisfied. It, it's something like, you know, there was that very stupid movie that we used to watch as a child, The Wizard of Oz, where Dorothy leaves home and then she's told that wherever you wanted, you can find at home. What you look for elsewhere, you can find at home. So this is actually the truth, although not her home. Whatever we look for, we can find within ourselves. As soon as we're fixed within the real self, we find full peace and full satisfaction. Why full peace? Well, the self, the soul can never be harmed, the soul never dies, the soul is eternal. Peace, uh, anxiety comes from thinking, I'm going to lose something, I'm going to die, things are going to get broken. My relationships will get broken, my things will get broken, my ability to do something of value will get broken, there will be some disturbance. You know, that's where our anxiety comes from. But if one has peace if one realizes that what I have, I've had forever, and I'll never lose. And why does the self give self-satisfaction? Because the self is part of Krishna. We're always, we're eternally part of Krishna, who's complete. And because Krishna is complete and I'm part of Krishna, as soon as I realize myself, I realize that I'm connected to the complete whole. I can't be satisfied in myself separate from Krishna. But as soon as I'm connected with Krishna, something like when you plug in your computer, then it has an, it's getting energy from the powerhouse. And therefore it can, at least theoretically, keep going. So our connection to the powerhouse is within ourselves. Krishna is within our heart. Krishna is called the self of the self, the paramatma. There's no question of like being separate from the self of the self. So when one is fixed in the self, then one is also connected to the self of the self, who is complete. So even though the complete is giving out completeness, the complete remains complete. Something like the sun which doesn't diminish. An ordinary fire, you burn it and then it's, it's, it uses up its fuel and it's diminished. Whereas the sun, it keeps burning and burning and burning and burning and burning, but it's not diminished. Of course, eventually it will be diminished. But Krishna is never diminished. So Krishna can give us completely what we need at all times. And he's a complete unlimited source the perpetual motion machine. So one who's fixed there, who never wavers from that position, will find peace in their eternality and will find satisfaction in that they're in the source of all desires. They're always connected there. But why can one remain fixed only when one is in pure devotional service? Why cannot one remain fixed just by being in the Brahman or the Paramatma? Because only Bhagavan is Akila Rasamrita Murti. Only Bhagavan is the source of all rasa, of all taste. 
of all pleasure. So one can find peace in the Brahman and some sense of satisfaction. One can find peace and knowledge in the Paramatma and again some satisfaction. But the kind of satisfaction we want is, is deeper than that and more variegated than that. Prabhupada says variety is the mother of enjoyment. What we want is, is variety. Just like I've been at some temples where every morning breakfast is kitchen. And every lunch it's dal rice, chapati, sabji, and the same sabji, and the same dal. Every day, every day, every day. And after a while, no matter how nice the kitchen is, and how nice, you want something else. You want a different kind of sabji. You want a different... We want variety. It's great austerity to live without variety. One of, one of my friends who's been a widow for a long, long time, so she just wears all white clothes, and she was saying that although the clothes look the same to everyone else, that she has different kinds of saris and she has her favorites. She has, even though they're all just white, she has some variety. But I have other friends who don't. They just wear the same cloth every single day, no matter what, over and over and over, without any variety. So that's a very great austerity. Because we get pleasure from variety. We get pleasure from surprise. In the Brahman, there's no variety. In the Paramatma, even, there's no variety. But in Krishna, there's infinite. In Bhagavan, there's infinite variety. Therefore, we're completely self-satisfied. But when we're connected to Bhagavan, then whatever we want is, is fulfilled. Because everything's there unlimitedly. Unlimited changes, unlimited newness. That Krishna has anantarupa, he has unlimited forms. Adyam Purana Purusham Navayovanam. He's always like a Navayovanam. It's like Nava means new. Krishna is constantly new. He's not just static. It's, it's not just, okay, there's God and there's God. There's God and there's God and there's God and there's God. People always want to try some new food or some new fashions or some new music. or yes. Why? It's because without that, we'll not feel fully satisfied. So that is in Krishna, and Krishna is in the self. Krishna is the self of the self. So when we're fixed, when we never leave our relationship with Krishna, then we feel fully satisfied. But what does that relationship with Krishna mean? It means a relationship of love. It doesn't mean just there. Sita means a place. Samstita, avastita. Sita literally means place. So it's not just that you're in that place, but there's devotional service, a pure devotee. One has some loving feelings because our connection with the Supreme Lord, it's not exactly like the connection of the computer to the wall. It's not like some kind of mechanical wire. It's a connection of love. Just like even with other jivas in this world, we have connections of affection. And that connection of affection can connect us with people even when we're physically distant, even when there isn't a physical connection. Yes? 
I'm sure that every everyone here has somebody that they care about who's not in this room. But we can have we have a connection with them, even though they're not in this room. They may not be in this city. They may not even be in this country. They may not even be anymore on this planet. And yet, we still feel a sense of connection with them through affection. So our real way that we connect with the self, the self, is through this affection. Is the real way we connect with the love and affection, as demonstrated by service. And when we're fixed there, when we never leave there, so fixed means that you don't leave that position no matter what. That even when there's difficulty, that you don't you don't go someplace else for shelter. You don't say, well, I'll go for Krishna to Krishna for shelter sometimes, and sometimes I'll go someplace else for shelter. Sometimes I take shelter in Krishna. Sometimes I'll take shelter of whatever. Good food, a movie, whatever other people take shelter in. And that my reason for taking shelter, is just simply love. I'm not thinking, well, I'll take shelter of Krishna and then I will get something. Because that's not, that doesn't really connect us with him. Just like if someone comes to us, not out of affection, but to get something, they're not, they don't really connect with us. Isn't that a fact? I'm sure you have people like that. And people in your life where they make some relationship with you, not because they like you, not because they have some affection for you, but because they want something for themselves that they're hoping you can give them. <laughs> yes? And when you, as soon as you understand that the person has a motive like that, you don't really connect with them. Whether you give them what they want or you don't give them what they want, you don't really connect with them. Just like the prostitute doesn't really connect with her customers. She doesn't really love her customers. You know, apparently, they're having a loving relationship, but they're not really. It just looks like that. Actually, she has no affection for the customers at all, and generally the, effect, the customers have no affection for her either. Or, you know, the shopkeeper. You're just going to the shopkeeper and buying something. So they may be very helpful. I went into one shop in London where they were... They were actually, I was, went to many, many different shops. I was looking for something. And in most of the shops, everybody just ignored me. Maybe they just said, hello, you know, oh, hello. And one shop I went to, everybody was so friendly. Every single person in the shop, oh, hello, can I help you? Everybody. And they went out of their way to show me around. And, but they just wanted my money. They didn't care about me. As soon as I walk out of the store, they don't, as soon as they see I didn't want to buy anything, then they had no more interest. <laughs> and if I bought something, then as soon as I paid the money, then they again would have no more interest. It's not that they would see me on the street and they'd say, oh, I remember you, my customer. <laughs> and no, it's, not, it's not actually a relationship. So unless there's pure devotional service, there's not really a connection. It may look like one, but it's not actually there. So this is the only way. There's just simply no other way. 
We can try as a materialist to get lots of things, lots of objects, lots of relationships, lots of power and influence and fame, and thinking if I surround myself with all these things, then I'll always be able to satisfy myself, and I'll be peaceful. We can try, but it doesn't, it doesn't work. And we'll always be worried. When will I lose it? When will I lose it? And we can try to find peace by giving away all of our things and living with nothing. But still one will not be peaceful. The mind will always be saying, what about this, what about this? We can try through philosophy, emerging into the Brahman, but we will not find variety. Even if we find the Paramatma, we will not find the variety. We can only find the variety in Bhagavan, and we can only truly connect with Bhagavan through love. That doesn't stop. Love that doesn't stop under any conditions. If it stops under some conditions, it's not love. Huh? Just like if it's motivated, it's not love. We all know this. And if it stops, it's not love. We also know this. That's why the love songs, they always say, I will love you till the end of time, no matter what. Yes. I remember that when I was a teenager, they had this love song on the radio. There's no mountain too high, no river too wide that will keep me from you. We, we, we have this idea that if something stops the love, then it's not really love. You know, I knew one girl, she was uh, going to be married, and then she got in a car accident and, and got burns all over her body. She became very ugly. And then the man said, I, I can't, I'm not going to, I can't marry you anymore. So that's not love. If something stops it. So we're all looking for this peace and self-satisfaction. That's natural to say, I don't care about peace, I don't care about self-satisfaction, is dishonest. We do care. We do want it. So we should be intelligent enough to go to the actual source. And we can examine today, during the day, what am I doing to attain peace and self-satisfaction? How am I trying to find it? Am I trying to find it through an external arrangement? Am I trying to find it just through detachment? Or am I trying to find it by a real connection with Krishna? And do I keep that connection with Krishna? Am I able to keep that connection with Krishna? Even when things are very difficult or very wonderful. Sometimes we forget our connection with Krishna when things are very wonderful. And we're trying to make a society where everybody finds peace and self-satisfaction like that. So we can just imagine if everybody, even in one temple, if everybody found their peace and self-satisfaction from loving Krishna without motive and without interruption. What kind of a society would that be? So of course, that is the Loka Vrindavan, where we are aspiring to go. So thank you very much for having me here. I'll be leaving very, very early in the morning tomorrow, so I'll see you tomorrow morning. Thank you. I'll go to
Questions, comments? Yes. You mentioned that, that there is no diversity in the Talmud. How is that? Well, there's some, but very, very little. In Paramatma, you only have Shantaras. So you know you have a diverse knowledge, but you don't have diverse rasa. You don't have diverse tastes. So when you're connected with Paramatma, you know everything, you understand everything, but the only thing you can taste is Shanta's peace. There's no dasi rasa even for Paramatma. There's no, there's these, the other primary rasas and even the other secondary rasas are not there. It's just vanilla. There's no strawberry and pistachio. <laughs> Paramatma is Krishna manifesting the external energy. It's not Krishna manifesting the internal energy. Prabhupada talked about here in this verse, which we didn't talk about in the class today, that the Mahatmas are under the internal energy. When you're connecting with Paramatma, Paramatma is not manifesting the internal energy. Paramatma is the god that most of the religions in the world worship. Either they worship Raman or Paramatma. Paramatma is the creator. Here, Dr. Shai Vishnu is the creator of the universe, the father the guide, the witness, the friend, the judge. But he's not showing his internal energy. And there's Sikharmaba with Radharani. He's not manifesting his internal energy. One manifest in the external. Maybe there's a Buddha Ras. I think there's a Shanta. Yes, somebody else? Yes. Yes. Oh, about uh, is it um, uh, when we pray more sincere, when we chant more sincere, I mean, sometimes the Krishna test will be more heavy. Because mm. uh, one, one, one story, I would, like, when I hear when I was feeling maybe something like that, because the uh, one mother from Hong Kong, then she went to Mugavan. She was loving left the deities there so much and that she wants to leave and she, she said to Krishna please, oh Rade I want to leave you here I don't want to move, I don't want to go I cannot leave you, you know, like that then after she quit she went down the temple she lost her bag you know? all the money, all the passport, everything <laughs> disappearing <laughs> then in that time she was Oh my God! I cannot go back to Hong Kong. Oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, that's uh, this. Because this test is uh, quite heavy for her. She still have a job. She still have a job. I don't see that as a test. 
I see that as Krishna demanding honesty. That if you go to Krishna and you say something that's not true, he will show you how it's not true. He will show you this is not where you are. As a teacher, I I would sometimes, because I, I ran a school where the children could go as fast as they were able. They didn't they didn't have to do they didn't have to just do what everybody else was doing. Each child could go at their own rate. So sometimes the students would come to me and they'd say, I'm ready to go faster. Yeah. I already know this. So you could say a test. I would give them a test to see. And usually they would fail. And when they would fail, then they could understand, no, I have, I'm, I have, I'm in the right place. So if we go to Krishna and we say, I'm ready for this now. <laughs> now if you are ready, he'll give it to you. If you're not ready, he needs to show you that you're not ready. So he should, from this story, he showed her you're not ready. If she lost everything and she said, well, wow, Krishna just fulfilled all my desires. Now I, have, now I get to stay in Vrindavan. Instead, she said, oh no, how can I go back to Vrindavan to do my job? And Krishna was, was showing her in a very clear way. You pray for something that you're, you don't really want. What you're saying with your mouth is not what's in your heart. So it's, it's extremely important that to be a truthful devotee. The Bhagavatam cleanses the heart of the truthful devotee. We have to be truthful. Raghunathas Swami says the main problem is deceit. Maya is illusion. It means that which is not. So we are all accustomed to being what we are not. We are pretending to be this body and this identity. It's not who we really are. And all of us know that our lives are a pretense. Yes, do we all know this? That what we're pretending to be and what we are is not the same. Yes, do we all know this? That we, we put on a show, even for our close family members. We probably don't have anybody that we really... Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a mess. We probably don't have... We probably don't have anybody that we are completely 100% honest with. Even we may have some very good friends, we think, but is there anybody we're completely 100% honest with? Probably not. That's the cheating propensity. We're probably not honest, honest with ourselves. We always pretend that we're better than we are or different than we are. Therefore, in order to go to the higher realms of bhakti, one must become humble. And humility and honesty are practically speaking the same thing. Because if you're honest, you'll see who you really are. And if you see who you really are, you'll be humble. Because who are we really? We're so small. We're so insignificant. I was at an education meeting the other day in, in Radhadesh, all these big ISKCON leaders, and I felt like a little bug. I felt like an insect. You understand? Mm-hmm. 
like little insect. I felt very like I felt like whatever I say, whatever I do, just doesn't matter. So anyway, Krishna helps us to become humble. One of the ways he does that is he arranges situations to show us our real position. You can only make advancement when you see your real position. You cannot make advancement from a false position. Just like tomorrow morning, I'm going to go to the airport. So if you, if you go on the internet and you look for directions, you have to know where you're going, and you also have to know where you are. If you put in the wrong place for where you are, will you get the proper directions? No. If you put in the wrong place, you may turn left when actually you're supposed to turn right. So if, if you, you're just trying to impress Krishna and tell him that you are in a different place than you really are, oh Krishna, I am completely surrendered. And he's like, nonsense. You're not surrendered. Or so many people, you were talking about this woman yesterday, so many people who pretend to be more renounced than they are. Because we put a, a value in ISKCON on being detached. We give a lot of status to people who are detached. So therefore we have so many people pretending to be detached when they're not. And then at a certain point they say, you know, I'm not really like that. And only then can you start actually making advancement. You, you, you can't make much advancement if you don't admit where you are. Does that make just logical sense to everybody? It's like, why don't we allow students in school to cheat? Why do you have to turn in your paper and not Shakespeare's paper? You have to write a poem. Well, let me give you Shakespeare's poem. But then you can't learn anything. Why can't you learn anything? Because then nobody can help you. If you turn in your own poem, then the teacher can say, oh, this you're doing very good, and this you need to fix. If you give in Shakespeare's poem, everything's already perfect, but is there to... You can't progress. So we have to at least be honest with Krishna. We don't have to be honest with the world. It's not the world's business. But at least we have to be honest with Krishna. If you're dishonest with Krishna, he'll slap you and wake you up. Or at least he'll try to wake you up. Whether or not you wake up is your business. So he'll, he'll, he'll stop you. When you said that, it reminds me how I was, I was in Puerto Rico. I was at the Sunday feast. And in my class, I was talking about being detached from money. Whether, you, whether it comes or goes, you'd be detached. So at that time in my life, I was extremely poor. And extremely, I had nothing, absolutely nothing. And one of my god sisters there, I mean really nothing, actually I had just nothing. <laughs> one of my god sisters there was running a business and she asked me to help with her business. So I did it as a favor to her. Actually, I didn't enjoy it at all, but just to please her. So I was working in her business. They were selling hand cream. So I was earning like $50 a week. Very hard work. I didn't like it at all. Mm-hmm. So I had in my room $100 that I had earned with great tapasya. I had earned that money. <laughs> Incredible tapasya. And that was all that I had. It was all the money I had was that $100. Mm-hmm. 
And it was a Sunday feast, and I hadn't locked my door. Usually at the temple, we didn't leave our door locked, but the Sunday feast, you needed to lock your door, so many guests were coming. So I'm giving this class about being detached, whatever Krishna gives, whatever Krishna takes away. And I go back to my room, and of course, my money is gone. <laughs> and I said, okay. You want to see if we call it walking your talk, you know? Yes. <laughs> but, Okay, Krishna, what did I just tell everybody else? <laughs> so, so Krishna does this. If you, if you say you, you want something, he shows you where you're at. Now, by the way, it works the other way, too, just to be balanced. If we don't make progress when we can make progress, Krishna will push you. So if, if you try to jump higher than you're ready, he'll slap you down and say, no, you're at that place. Be honest. But if you're ready to make a step and you don't make the step, he'll also pull you or push you and say, hey, be ready for the next step. Don't stay in that position. Just like Srila Prabhupada when he said he didn't want to take sannyas, didn't want to take sannyas, didn't want to take sannyas. And Bhaktisanta kept coming to him in his dreams and his godbrothers kept telling him, take sannyas. And Krishna took everything away. Yes. Prabhupada talks about this. He talks about how, how you know, he had had this business thinking it would, it would finance the preaching and then it failed. And Prabhupada said, he said, at first, he said, at first I didn't understand. It's really funny how Prabhupada explained it. He, he said, I did not want to take sannyasa. I did not want to take sannyasa. <laughs> he said, and I didn't understand. Why is Krishna taking everything away? Finally I realized, oh, Krishna is telling me you have to take sannyasa. Yes. <laughs> So sometimes Krishna pushes us up also. Sometimes Krishna says, hey, you're ready for this. You're ready to move to the next level. You're ready to take on more responsibility in the preaching movement. You're ready to become more austere. And we, no, no, I don't want to do that. That's scary. (laughs) And then you may (laughs) go out the door like the birds do with their babies, huh? They throw them out. Now you can fly, because the little birds are scared. And the parent sees, no, and you're ready to fly now. Out! And they push them out, the bird has to fly. Either they fly or they die, huh? So Krishna does both things. If if, If we pretend that we're more advanced, he shows you, though, this is where you really are. And if you pretend to be less advanced, he again pushes you and says, no, you must go to this position, both things. He's a very expert teacher. Mm-hmm. How, yes. about, how about Prabhupada, the first year he's in America, he was together, oh my God, a lot of difficulties. So, there's so much difficulty. Yes. <laughs> yeah, this is, a, this is a, what would what, I should show you a good example for. Prabhupada went through about 10 years. Yeah. One year. It was about 10 years of extreme difficulty. So, you know, it, Prabhupada had a very successful business. He was a very successful businessman, and he had a plan. He had a plan. My Guru Maharaj told me to preach in English, so I'll make a lot of money. And in the meantime, I'll publish a magazine whenever I can. I'll give some classes whenever I can. I'll give some money. But I'll make a lot of money. And this way, I'll be able to fulfill his order. And then everything collapsed. Everything collapsed. 
Finished. Kaputt. <laughs> That's German, but we understand kaputt. And then what was? And then Prabhupada felt, you know, I'm 54, time to leave my family. And then he tried to take shelter of the Gaudiyamat. That also didn't work. He went to Delhi, and he told them get out and preach. And they said, no, we don't want you here telling us to go preach. They said you're disturbing everybody, telling them to go preach. And Prabhupada said, I need two dhotis. He said, my two dhotis have holes. Please give me two new dhotis. And the town president wrote him a letter. And they said, I don't think we can supply you with two dhotis. And you are disturbing the brahmacharis. <laughs> Prabhupada was telling them, get out of the temple and go preach. And Prabhupada also made an arrangement with the printer. Instead of printing 400 copies every month, they could print 800 of their magazine. Sajjana Chosani, I think it was. And the town president said, you're causing a disturbance. If we print 800 copies, how will we distribute? They'll simply sit and become dirty. And he said, I don't think you should stay in the Delhi temple. Very politely saying, get out. He said, why don't you go to Vrindavan? There's a park around there. You can go. Prabhupada was thrown out of the Delhi temple. And then he had no home. For about four and a half, five years, he had no home. He was just staying at different people's houses, and he had no money. He was sometimes printing his back to Godhead. And he was not even counting rupees, he was counting paisa. He was counting his paisa. He'd go on a train, and he'd have enough paisa for one journey and not enough paisa to come back. And he was hoping on the journey he could collect some money. So about four and a half, five years, he lived like that. Then about another four years, he lived in the Radhadamadar temple, five rupees a month. And there he started translating the Bhagavatam. But even then, he's translating without knowing how is he going to print, and finally he gets the money to print one volume, then he shows the one volume to get the money to print the second volume, and he's thinking to go to America, he doesn't know how he's going to get the money to go to America, he comes to America, and he has again no, nothing, he has no support, he has very few connections, not very good connections with people, no money. So I see all of this, uh, Prabhupada explains, he said, he said, why did Krishna do this? He said, because Krishna wanted me to start this movement in another way. So Shilo, I see that this, my understanding is that Srila Prabhupada started the movement without any material opulence at all. Nothing. Prabhupada started the ISKCON movement with no money. I mean, really, just no money at all. With no support from any big famous person. Later, later Allen Ginsberg came and later George Harrison came. But in the beginning, it was nothing. No support from a government, no support from the Godiamat. I mean, they sent him, I think Reinmar sent him a Murdunga. No, they, that, they didn't send him money, they didn't send him people. Nothing. Even they wouldn't list in their brochures what he was doing. They would, they would go to Yamath brochure would say, these are our activities all over the world. And what Prabhupada was doing, they wouldn't even have in their list. So Prabhupada started the movement with only spiritual power. Nobody can ever say anything else. You, you cannot say Prabhupada started this movement with material power. Nobody can say Prabhupada was successful, even Prabhupada himself. He was 70 years old. His English was not so good, and his, he had a very heavy accent. Prabhupada was speaking 100-year-old British English with a heavy <laughs> accent in America. So, and an old man preaching to people in their 20s. 
and he, his health wasn't good. He had had heart attacks. And so nobody can say, oh, Srila Prabhupada started this movement because he had some sort of material facility. The only thing Prabhupada had was spiritual. He had nothing else. Even the books Prabhupada had, even the Bhagavatams Prabhupada had. They, the printing was very bad. The English was not spelled properly. The grammar was not right. The paper was very poor quality. If you've seen the old books, binding was not good. The cover picture was very crude. Understand? Inside there were no pictures. The lines were not straight. The lines were crooked on the page. Materially, it was nothing. So I see that Krishna arranged that we would. We can only say that Prabhupada did this by spiritual power. How did Srila Prabhupada go to America right in the middle of the sex and drugs revolution and say no illicit sex and no intoxication to all the sex and drugs people? How did he do that? People weren't vegetarian then also. Now so many people are vegetarian. But then people were not vegetarian. How did he do that? How, I mean, how was it possible? Yeah. So it was, it was only possible by... You, you cannot give any other explanation than spiritual potency. All right, thank you very much. All glories to Srila Prabhupada. Thank you so much. Thank you.